You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you're challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series, 40 Days with James. Now looking at pure religion. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. This is day seven in the James series, and we'll be finishing chapter one, really just looking at the final two verses in a reflection called Pure Religion. I mentioned last time that there are five important themes introduced in the end of James 1, that is starting in verse 19. The restraint of hasty desire, practical obedience to God's word, the reception of the word with humility, the concern for defenseless members of the community and turning from the ways of the world. And it's those last two that we'll be focusing on in this reflection. Let's read. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In the introduction to the series, I said that during the course of our uh, study, we'll look at five passages that most churches ignore. And maybe you've already guessed it. This is the first. This is one. Shall I read it again just for emphasis? Probably. I'll do that in just a moment. But it speaks of the tongue, and then it speaks of the needy. So let's listen once more. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In what areas do we need to keep a tight rein on the tongue? When I was preparing this lesson, what came to mind immediately was profanity, Gossip, slander, lying, perjury, (laughs) babbling, you know, just being overly talkative. Or how about talking the talk, but not walking the walk? The more I meditate on this passage, the more I realize there's it's more than just saying, watch your tongue. And there'll be more on the tongue in chapter three. But if we talk about obeying God, but we're not actually doing it, uh, that's part of the deception and why our religion would be worthless. That is, someone might be given to gossip. Well, that's a sin. I'm not sure that if that's someone's only real weakness or sin, that that person cannot go to heaven. But we're talking here about the religion being worthless, either in its impact or in its redemptive value. And I think it probably is about its redemptive value. It's about salvation. If if uh, we are simply deceiving ourselves by saying certain things that are totally out of sync with the way we live. This is a kind of deep hypocrisy. Worthless is a pretty strong word. But you'll see, you you heard that in verse 26. You'll see it again in chapter 2, 26. And I invite you to make those comparisons as you continue to study this great epistle. 
The word religion is a fairly rare word in the Bible, but it's here in this passage. I like the way uh, one scholar defined religion. I've never heard this before. Religion is the celebration of God and the discovery of his will for our lives. <laughs> wow, that's great. I like that. But the emphasis is not just on the tongue. It's on looking after orphans and widows in their distress. Well, my mother-in-law is elderly. She's a widow, technically. She's the last remaining parent of, of in, in my family. Uh, orphans? Oh, I know a lot of orphans who've grown up. But it's not that we need to pay special attention to orphans and widows. Notice he says it's in their distress. So especially when they're vulnerable, when they've just become orphans, or when they've just been widowed, or when they're at a great disadvantage uh, financially, or when their safety is compromised. So it's that distress. My mother-in-law is not in distress right now. Uh, still, we look after her, but she's okay. But all around the world, many widows are in a very difficult position. So we could say, concern for defenseless members of the community is somehow connected with turning from the ways of the world. Did you catch that last part? Yes, looking after the needy and, James adds, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It seems like an odd add-on, like, oh yeah, I have another thought here. No, uh, being polluted by the world is the primary reason that we don't look after the needy. We're not concerned for the vulnerable. We are polluted. It says being polluted by the world. Many people hear that and they think, oh, okay, they're watching films they shouldn't be watching, or they're, they're acting in, in worldly ways, worldly language or dress. And sure, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. But if you remember uh, Ezekiel 16, which speaks of Sodom and Gomorrah and their real sin, the Lord here says, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. He's talking to his, God's people. This was the guilt. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and the needy. And then in verse 50, they were haughty and did abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. Yes, Sodom is famous for certain behaviors and practices, but underlying deep down what was the problem? It was they were worldly. They just loved luxury, comfort. It was all about them. They were polluted. And when we're so taken in by the world, then we're not going to be taken in by our heart's not going to bleed for, for those who, who desperately need us. Well, Douglas, you're being a bit harsh. I mean, why claim that it's a passage that most churches ignore? I mean, many churches have food banks or, you know, they take up a special collection once a year, you know. Uh, yeah, and I'm aware that some churches have members who volunteer in soup kitchens, and I'm not trying to be negative here. Uh, but I, th I think there is uh, there are reasons uh, for that harsh comment. Most fellowships are not stratified. And what I mean is that they tend to be all middle class or all working class with few exceptions or all just very poor or very elite, you know, wealthy people, you know, families who have multiple cars, for example, they tend to be of one social or ec economic class. And so the needy are the other. How many members of the congregation actually are the needy? How close are we to them? We tend to feel comfortable with people like us. So the fellowship's not stratified. Secondly, uh, there's a general uh, 
uh, apathy when it comes to the vulnerable. Now, the Old Testament frequently speaks of orphans and widows. In the notes that come with this talk, I'm giving you some passages here. Oh, they're not the only ones. The Old Testament often adds the foreigner, the alien, um, as a third. Because, you know, those who come from outside, they don't have the connections, they don't have clout, uh, they're not benefiting from the network necessarily, and they are at a disadvantage. They can easily be uh, uh, exploited. Uh, how much do we care about that? The alien, how, how's our compassion towards refugees? I mean, this is a huge theme of the Bible, towards people who are displaced, populations that are displaced, uh, frequently because of war, or it could be from drugs in our time, uh, about human trafficking. I mean, there are so many glaring uh, areas of, of human society where people are defenseless and vulnerable, and we can make a difference. Now, we spend a lot of money on worldly purchases. Is that not right? I mean, homes and cars and vacations and nice clothes, but give nearly 0% to help the needy. In most churches, nearly all the money collected goes to salaries and building payments. A very small part goes to helping the needy, whether inside or outside the church. It might be 1% of the budget or 2%, but I get the feeling reading the New Testament that nearly everything they took was for the needy. Yes, Christians uh, give towards disaster relief. We do. Uh, we support solid Christian charities. And, and yes, the poor come into the fellowship sometimes, but often, well, they've not really been brought into our heart. I don't mean to paint every congregation with the same brush. There are numerous exemplary exceptions, but overall, I think it's still fair to say that this is an ignored passage. Uh, the tongue and, and our, our tolerance to hear people say what they're doing or believing or what, what should be done, but, but not following through. And particularly uh, when they say things about the plight of the needy. So read verses 26 and 27 together. And that final uh, clause, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, realize that that's connected with this whole thing. Uh, the, the more worldly we are, the less we're going to care about the needy. Okay, let me just sum up this lesson and the one before. Uh, there are actually 10 things I see uh, in uh, James 1, 19 to uh, 27. Let's trust in God, not the power of the human will, and certainly not anger. Looking into the word, let's be honest about what we see. Humbly receive the implanted word, which can save us, and getting rid of all moral filth. Now, today, we looked at rejecting the world and it's anti-God values. You know, it's all about money, power, esteem, success, but it's not about the things that God cares about. Rejecting the world. Careless speech is not a matter of indifference to God. Mere talk about the needy uh, <laughs> makes our religion worthless. Nor is caring for the needy optional. So let's be champions for the vulnerable. Let's just be good Christians. And as we do that, Freedom comes from that obedience. Let's pray. Lord, we hear your word. We know James had the conviction and we know he lived it. Help us to live it. Help us to reject the world and its so-called values, which we know on your side are not valuable at all. Help us to reject the world and to be those who are moved, who have a heart, champions for the powerless, 
friends to the vulnerable, help us to to even think of uh, society and history differently, and remembering how in the early church so many of the people uh, were uh, just slaves or they were working, they were not the idle rich. Lord, help us to realize where we stand. Give us full conviction through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on 40 Days with James. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.